comes Checo Perez. And in he goes. <laughs> Fantastic moment for the whole team. And you can see there, Max Sting to Clapham as well, Max Verstappen. You can see just how united this group are. And, you know, important that he didn't feel that he was going to be discriminated against in the sense of Max getting the better calls strategy-wise. He got good calls today. They gave him every chance to win the race, and he delivered. Welcome to the DRS Zone Podcast. Daily racing stories. Holy mac and cheese balls. The show that shares stories on and off the track from Formula One, motorsport, and beyond. From guests who probably know more than you or think they do. No, Mikey. No, no, Mikey. That was so not right. Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Listen to stories well known. Stories well known. Lesser known. Lesser known. And never told. And never told. With another episode of Daily Racing Stories today. Ah, we are back. Welcome back, everybody. RJ again here. You may have listened to Rory on the previous episode for his breakdown of the Monaco Grand Prix. Thanks, Rory, again for uh, helping us out here. Rory was previously featured on a different episode, episode four of this podcast, uh, where we talk about his early exposure into Formula One, also motorsport in general in his home country of Ireland. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Rory and Irish motorsport, take a look at episode four of this podcast. Without further ado, though, ado, without further ado, though, excuse me, I'm going to go over some of the topics covered or food for thought I should say after the Monaco Grand Prix and just some news from around the F1 world. Within the F1 world we do see currently some formula <laughs> formula some former F1 drivers having some interesting career moves. Let's start with Kimi Raikkonen briefly making a debut coming up into NASCAR which should be uh, exciting to say the least. We also do have the highlight though of the weekend is Marcus Erickson. Uh, formula, formula, formula again. Okay, that might be a new word I have to patent. Formula. Former Formula One drivers. So, former Formula One driver Marcus Erickson cemented his legacy into IndyCar immortality by winning the Indy 500. If you did not check out this race, uh, you definitely missed some action. Even the last five laps, you could not ask for much more. I, weirdly enough, had some Abu Dhabi flashbacks, but to give you the too long, didn't read version, Marcus Ariston ends up taking the lead late in the race after a uh, mistake by race leader during a pit lane entry. And Marcus Erickson pretty much has three laps left. It is not a standing start, but they're coming out of the pit lane before the race is going to begin behind a safety car. And it's essentially a three-lap sprint race to potentially win the Indy 500. Marcus Erickson held off uh, Pato Award in what was a very exciting finish. So if you did not check out that out, I cannot recommend it enough. But... 
Uh, let's just say Viva Mexico this weekend with Checo and Red Bull taking advantage of a uh, lack of a better words bonehead mistake on the pit wall for Team Ferrari and Tifosi. Or the Tifosi at Ferrari, I should say. Uh, I know F1 Barstool, who was on here recently, was a big Ferrari fan. I can only imagine he is saying Mamma Mia right now. Uh, For me, to see Checo win was awesome, especially after last week. And we had that controversy around, you know, letting Checo through or not letting him through compared to Verstappen. My take on that is, uh, personally, I think Verstappen, he's the fastest guy on the grid. I also think in that situation, he was way faster and should have been allowed to pass Checo, which I know we've talked about before. We did have some fans complaining about it. And uh, to me, Checo, you know, him being a legend after Abu Dhabi, after last race, uh, I don't think you could have asked much more if you were Checo Perez in this race. So that was awesome to see. Uh, Another controversy from the race, though, you know, uh, maybe not controversy, but talking point was Alonzo and his pace and essentially holding up Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I've seen some conspiracy conspiracy theories out there saying that this was revenge for 2007 back at the McLaren days. Um, I'll say it bluntly. I think that's some BS. I think the racing strategy is unfortunate where Alonso is truly driving his race, uh, but holding up like someone like Hamilton who has more pace. And I think that comes back to the aspect of Monaco just as a grid in general where it's really hard to overtake in some areas and then you get this bottleneck effect which they had mentioned multiple times on the uh, Sky Sports coverage of the race where you know you have almost two races going on in their own right you know you have the top seven drivers in the same cluster in a way and then you have everyone else in the grid in a different cluster and uh, definitely makes for an interesting race but if you're Lewis Hamilton you know that's just pure frustration there I can only imagine um, just driving around trying to pass one guy. And then you have Lando Norris in the front who's, you know, kind of making his home, his own head of steam to say the least. So uh, definitely ruined Hamilton's race, which which was unfortunate. Uh, the other thing I think as well, uh, you know, with that, it's the, the, the track maybe at Monaco itself just needs to be updated to accommodate today's cars. Uh, let's allow maybe drivers to pull off more maneuvers while while driving and it's not an issue ultimately because of Alonzo and Hamilton's case I think it's an issue of the track and Monaco obviously is one of the harder racetracks and the entire F1 circuit to overtake drivers but this race may have done a great job of highlighting truly how difficult it is and that may give race organizers some idea into years in the future I wouldn't see Monaco being completely dropped from the calendar. I know there's been discussions about that. Uh, I myself think it just with it being a historic track, it, it should always stay, but maybe there is some uniqueness that you can to figure it out. One other t- part of the uniqueness of Monaco is they have their own F or their own individual crew that does the production for Formula One. Uh, a great take by Vincenzo Landino was saying that, you know, uh, the the shield in the NFL is equivalent to you know the F1 logo. You should be doing everything you can to protect it at all times. And the race direction in terms of a production standpoint at this race, I think it was really hard to follow, especially early on in some of those qualifying sessions. 
I understand it's unique because it's Monaco and it's the Super Bowl of, of all the races, essentially, on the circuit. You know, everyone wants to win Monaco. Daniel Ricciardo early on in Drive to Survive made a great point of, you know, Monaco being the prize possession, the prize jewel. And to me, I think F1 maybe need to take a little bit more control when it comes to this race. And that's maybe the way we can get uh, this race back on track in uh, literal and physical terms. So there's that. Uh, one other topic too, I think that's worth noting just on this race, um, going into it, there was a great article on, uh, a website, uh, that I was reading saying that, you know, are people being too harsh on Mick Schumacher or not, uh, going up to this race? That's a great question with his dad, obviously having such a legacy in F1 and it's difficult in some ways, I'm sure to separate the two, uh, when it comes to a performance standpoint, just given that one's a multiple time champion and one is a star that we hope can only be up and rising. Uh, but following this race, uh, you know, let's re-ask the question again. Are we being too harsh or not harsh enough on Mick Schumacher? And uh, Gunther Steiner's words after the Monaco crash with Schumacher were, we need to see how we move forward from here. And to me, there's a lot of talk about Latifi on the back of the grid you know, being the worst driver. I'm not saying Mick is the worst driver in any way. Uh, I just think when you have these lower teams and, and there always is that pressure, uh, I think the crashes highlight it more than anything. And that's something we should as F1 fans be looking really at because I think we get these top drivers at all the times. You know, there was talks about Checo being out at, at Red Bull after last week I was hearing, you know, there's talks about you know Hamilton not performing as well previously earlier in the year and Mercedes and someone else should be in that seat just all these things blown out of proportion at times but when you get these lower teams on the grid I feel like it's a great highlight just because there's maybe not that same standard of, of pressure right away with performance and we don't expect as much out of these lower tier teams or drivers on a week-to-week -week basis however we had Mazepin that was highlighted you know earlier this season because of the issues with Russia last season just because he's Mazda spin and was, was the worst driver on the grid worse than Latifi and now a new season ahead you know with K-Mag going into the Haas car uh, we're seeing Mick struggle obviously a little bit more and not getting the same results out of, out of the car granted obviously K-Mag's had his own issues with the car uh, this this last weekend weeks previously but he has gotten in the points and he does have all the points for Haas uh, I think it's something just to circle back and maybe take a note of, bookmark, um, see where Haas will be with Mick coming forward and how they're going to address any issues like that. To me, though, going back with it as well, uh, there is the need of, of entry for drivers into Formula One and will there be any mid-season changes? One other topic with this as well is Daniel Ricciardo at McLaren. This is also the reason why Rory hosted last week's episode. I've been trying to find Danny Rick's racing mojo and I don't know where to go. A great point of discussion earlier this week uh, was, did Daniel Ricciardo make the right move leaving Red Bull? Should he have stayed at Renault? Uh, McLaren as well. And that is such a controversial or complicated topic. I don't know if it's necessarily controversial. I think it deserves its own episode. So I will be on later this week actually to discuss that as well. For me, just a 
brief summary of it. I do think he did make the right move, um, leaving Red Bull with Verstappen. Uh, I won't comment on his uh, my thoughts on his Renault days again because it's his own episode in McLaren. But I think it's just unfortunate Daniel Ricciardo in the McLaren hasn't been truly comfortable. Uh, there's been a lot of you know excuses. You know he did have COVID earlier in the season, uh, missed some of the preseason testing. I do get that it's it's a new car and Daniel Ricciardo possibly you could argue as he was finally getting comfortable in McLaren, the updates. Uh, to the cars themselves occurred and with new rules and regulations and that kind of, you know, more or less just completely screwed up everything for Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, however, the season numbers never lie. Race pace never lies uh, in most conditions. So to me, I just am a little bit bummed out by the fact I think Daniel Ricciardo is on a different chapter in his career, possibly. I'm not saying he's going to be out of F1, but there's a lot of people saying he's going to go to IndyCar. You know, he's not completely focused. He's NASCAR. He's all these different things. But it's one story I think as F1 fans we all should follow, not closely, but just make a note of. Uh, and again, that will be its own episode later this week. So let's move on just to some of the topics to take forward in F1 with the coming races. So rain proves lucky for P3 in Monaco. Checo is the third driver in the last three races that have reigned in Monaco to go from P3 to P1. The previous two, again, being Lewis Hamilton, 2016, and Lewis Hamilton in 2018. Going forward, though, one thing I think we should all make a note of as fans is, will Red Bull allow Checo to truly take this fight to Verstappen as races do go on? That will be interesting to see. I am optimistic that he can do it with Verstappen. If Verstappen is the world champion um, and or has those capabilities of being multiple world champions, uh, he should expect some sort of fight, obviously, from his teammate. And to have that fight uh, with the possibility of Ferrari and even in Mercedes making it a multiple-way battle in the Constructors' Championship, that is something as fans of F1 we should all be pretty hyped for as well. The second part is, is, you know, how does Charles bounce back from this? Gutted is a great word to describe his weekend. Anything is possible. I wouldn't write him off in any way at all, simply because of the fact being that Charles has shown that he does have the pace. He is fast. He's had multiple pole positions this year. Granted, none of his wins have come ever outside of pole position. So he does need to get that speed, but he does have a bit of, you know, rotten luck if you will uh that needs to change it around and hopefully the communication between charles and the pit wall pit crew if you will will be one of you know listen to me so we'll see as that goes on uh that's all i have for you here for the most part uh mr consistency this season so far let's not forget to george russell p5 in every race that he has been in which if you're a Mercedes fan or not, and there's this critique around, you know, being in that car, I think George Russell in some ways has maybe silenced the doubters or the haters. Not being a George Russell fan, just a biased podcast here, but some food for thought. That's all I got for you, though. Uh, we will be back later this week with some additional content coming out and some topics that we think are worth discussion. So take care, everyone. Have a good rest of the week, and we'll see you back here on the DRS Zone podcast.